All right, and you'll see it say five, four, three, two, one. That just creates tension and anxiety for reasons I don't know. (laughs) Greg, real pleasure to be able to have you on the podcast. This was just a chance kind of connection through finding a video that you'd done, a TEDx TED Talk on changing the world with laughter. And I was drawn to it because, um, as I've referenced in the podcast before, one of my styles in facilitation is to use humor as best as I'm able to. I even reference that, like, if I'm co-leading with someone, I'll tell them that every other activity they lead needs to make me laugh, which inherently creates a little bit of pressure on them. But for me, it's always intentional. One, because I experience anxiety. I find that Laughter for me is a salve for that. That helps me. But it also alleviates, I found, the tension that I work with with groups. In your TED Talk, which I'm going to uh, leave the link in the description of this episode, you reference how laughter connects us. How have you experienced that and why for you is is that such an essential component to laughter? Yeah. Well, well thanks, Phil, for having me on. It, it's great. And, and like you said, it's uh, it's a passion of mine, too. You know, it just anytime you laugh with somebody, we connect. You never sit down and laugh with somebody that you don't like or can't stand. Right. But it's it's a universal language. Uh, I've done stand up all over the world, wherever it is. When you hit a punchline, people are laughing and you're bonding together and everything's just that much better. And people have anxiety. If you can laugh for five minutes, that tends to go away, right? Because you're, you're, all that dopamine's dropped into your blood system and, and you feel alive and, and you're not worried about like, oh, what are people thinking of me? You're, you're having a good time. So I, I love it. I love making people laugh. I love laughing. Uh, and anytime I get a chance to do it or talk about it, I'm thrilled. What have you experienced when it comes to like that transition between childhood and adulthood as it relates to laughter? Well, there, there's a big difference and, and science proves it. On average, kids laugh up to 300 times a day and adults 17, right? So we've totally lost where we're going. I don't know if we're so stressed we don't have time to laugh or we're stressed because we don't laugh, right? It's chicken or egg thing. And I've always been a fan of laughter. There's always laughter in our household. I grew up listening to Bill Cosby. Uh, records, you know, Fat Albert. Uh, obviously, he's whatever's happened with Bill has happened with Bill, but his humor was clean. It was funny. It was family oriented, and everybody could relate to it, right? And I just I loved doing it. And I had the opportunity. Oh, probably about 15 years ago, we were. Uh, it was after a, a hockey game. I was out with some buddies, and uh, there was probably a pint or two involved. But we walked past this pub and there was an open mic and I always wanted to do stand-up comedy, but never had the stones to do it. And so we went in and and my buddies were like, hey, you should go get up and tell some jokes. Because I've always been the guy that can tell a street joke or, you know, make people laugh while I'm one. And I was nervous and I'm like, there's no way I'm going up. And they said, well, we'll, we'll buy a couple more pints if you go up. And uh, I went up and just told a couple of, of silly stories, not prepared at all. And it was... It was such a rush to have people laugh at me. I was just like, oh, I could get used to this, right? And then how, how you feel after you laugh, it, it's just amazing. So I talk to people a lot, you know, whether I'm training or, or speaking on take five minutes every morning and laugh. It'll clear your head. It'll take rid of the stress. It takes away the anxiety and it's free. Comedy is, or, or in laughter is very subjective, right? I mean, what you might find funny, uh, I had a friend text me a cat video with these two cats are just sitting there and human voices are talking to each other. She's like, this is the most funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, uh, okay. 
Like not at all, you know, and, and there's dark humor, there's, there's lighthearted humor there. And, and there's just stuff that happened. One of my speaker friends was speaking in there. He was on a stage about probably about six inches off, off the ground and he's walking around and wasn't watched where he was going and he tripped and fell off the stage. And so now he's lying on the floor doing his keynote and he just kind of out of his head, he just said, well, I guess now is the perfect time to take questions from the floor. <laughs> like it's a one-off, but you know, I mean, I, I retell the story and people laugh. But it's it's silly things like that, and there's so much to laugh about and, and joke about. And I, I was lucky I got to work with people like Robin Williams and Norm MacDonald. And, and the best advice I got from Norm, well, I got two pieces of advice from him. One was don't do crack, which is very good advice for everybody. And the other one, he said, you know, Greg, there's so much uh, stuff in the world to, to make fun of or laugh at that we don't need to be laughing at or making fun of race or sex or money or creed or religion you know there's just so much out there and so you know when i, I talk to people just schedule in your calendar i think it's like anything else right if you want to get healthier you go to the gym and get healthier if you have anxiety or you know you're stressed or you're dealing with some some mental health stuff laughter is is great medicine it's not the end all be all but it's something that you can do wherever you are and, and, and however you want to do it. But it's it's amazing. And, and some of the best times I've ever had and some of the worst times, laughter has come up and, and I felt better. Has this been a trend all the way through your life? Can you think of moments as, as a child where you were engaged in laughter? As, how has that formed you as a human? Yeah, I, I think so. Ever since I was a kid, I, I don't know if I, I was a class clown, but I was always doing stuff to get a laugh. Even in high school, I remember... <laughs> The only time I got sent to the principal's office was I was late to English class. Uh, and the teacher said, Greg, why are you late to class? And I said, why did you start without me? Um, <laughs> you know, so obviously very sarcastic when I got to go to the principal's office. But but yeah, it, it's always been there. It's, it's obviously been in different forms. But ever since I was a kid, I thought, you know what? If I could make a living doing stand-up comedy. And so I pursued that for six years. And it took me six years. To figure out that I like money more than stand-up. Laughter has been great for me because I it's gotten me jobs. Uh, I remember I was interviewing for it. It was a startup company. And they always asked that dreaded question, what is your biggest weakness? And I said, chocolate cake. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me. And she goes, I, I, I don't understand. I said, you asked what my biggest weakness was. I I big weakness for chocolate cake. And she's like, Oh, right. So, and to me, that kind of, that, that pause where it takes a while for someone to click into it is fun. And so, you know, I did stand-up comedy and, and now I, you know, I talk about how to work happy. And part of that is how to take care of ourselves and our mental health. Um, and some of the stories I talk about are, are heavy. And so I have the ability to, to temper that with, with humor, obviously not making fun of mental health, but right. You know, if I have a slide and I have a story and it's sad, the next slide is, is a cartoon right where it kind of brings everybody back i think that what laughter does is potentially alleviate some of that tension that can create by seriousness but how do you how do you find that balance that seems like a a challenging balance between mockery and and positivity it takes some times and sometimes i i don't do a great job at that sometimes people like oh that was that was too soon Right or, or or whatnot, you know, reading the room too. Especially when I learned to do that through stand-up comedy. I'm not like Jerry Seinfeld because he's very cerebral, but I just find things in life. And and one good example is, is you know how laughter can. It doesn't take away the pain, but it helps us get through it. My stepdaughter lost her dad to suicide 
uh, five years ago. And two nights before we found out, uh, we were at a Brian Regan concert or stand-up comedy show. And uh, I'd been able to secure a meet and greet because I knew people who know Brian. And so I was stepdad for a, for a year. And, I would, and Rachel loves Brian Regan, so I got a meet and greet beforehand. And, and she was piling him punchlines and, and everything. And then 48 hours later, we find out that her dad is gone. And so we went through that. And, and luckily, you know, she'd been very resilient and with therapy. And, and all of us, you know, gone to therapy. We didn't know what to do. So why not go ask somebody who knows what to do? And uh, I remember distinctly, probably it was two or three weeks after the incident. And we we're sitting at the dining room table. And Rachel started to cry. And then Becky started to cry. And then I started to cry. And my default is thick or thin. And I'm like, all right, let's laugh. And so I said, time out. We're going to go sit on the couch. And we put on Brian Regan. And within 10 minutes, Phil, we were all laughing, right? It took our mind off pain. So it was completely separate. But for, you know, for 30 minutes, we were laughing. And it didn't take away the pain. I mean, it came back later on. But it was able to, we were able to sit on the couch and bond as a family through laughter, even though, you know, a lot of pain was there. Laughing, it's, it's so much good. It's, it's your mental health. It's your physical health. You can actually burn calories by laughing. And it's interesting, you, you know, when you say about your anxiety, um, how laughter helps that as well too, right? Because it takes our mind off of what is, is giving us the anxiety and like, oh, okay, I'm laughing. I'm not thinking about it. And on the go. You referenced as well in your in your TED talk this this idea or this notion of like getting laughs versus giving laughs. Like, how have you experienced that and the benefits of of, of that, both for the groups that you're working with and yourself? Yeah, well, I, I think it really opened up my eyes because when I started doing stand up comedy and, and there's a rush, right? And you probably have the same thing. If you tell a joke or something funny happens and people laugh, you're like, oh, I made people laugh, right? And that's what I wanted. So you go on stage. And you, you, you get that dopamine hit and that rush, and you're like, this is awesome. I'm making 200 people laugh. I found out that giving people the opportunity to laugh is even better. Because I feel like I'm serving and I'm, I'm giving. And when you give, the, the give back is so much more powerful. And, and I learned it from Robin Williams. I, I had the opportunity to, to share a stage with him one night. And he, he walked in halfway through my set. I was doing stand-up for... Oh, I don't know, probably about six, eight months. And I had five minutes of fart and poop jokes. It was like nothing. There was nobody in the in the pub. And he walked in and sat down and started listening to my set and and uh laughed. And I you know, I went up and talked to him. He's I'm he was a hero of mine. He said, Keep making people laugh because you'll never know the difference it makes in that person's life. He goes, Rare is it that people follow up and say, Hey, you did this, I appreciate it. And one night I was hosting a show in a, a hotel lobby bar. There's probably 30 people. And uh, this father and son walked in, sat in the front row. They were not in the mood for a comedy show. I don't know why they were there, but they had their arms crossed and they weren't smiling. I'm like, oh, I go, these people need to laugh. So I'm like, tonight I'm going to give them the opportunity. If nobody else laughed, I didn't. I wanted these two guys to have a good time. And so by the end of the show, they were laughing and having a good time. And so I went up to them afterwards and just, kind of curious and talked to them and said, Hey, what's, uh, how did you hear about the show? And the dad was like, well, we've been walking past the show for the last eight weeks, but we're so tired. We just go to bed. And it was in a hotel. And I said, well, eight weeks, are you moving here? You haven't found a house. He said, no, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and she's in the hospital across the street. So every day my son and I would go over there, take care of her, to the appointments, visit with her, everything. 
And so we we haven't been able to come to the show. We're just tired. And so I asked what I thought the next logical question would be. And I turned to the, the son. I said, how's mom doing? And and the kid started to cry. And he goes, mom died this morning. And I was like, oh, my God. So here's three strangers in a hotel lobby bar crying, hugging each other. And, you know, after a couple minutes, the dad finally got together. And this is where I, I learned what Robin Williams had, had, had told me. The dad said, thank you for making us laugh. It's the first time in eight weeks we felt somewhat normal. And that's the power of laughter, right? I mean, here here we are. They He had just lost his wife. The kid had just lost his mom hours before. But we had been laughing and and giving that gift and and I love ever since then it's just it's been a passion of mine. How can I help people laugh? And that's gone on. I, I do I send out a Friday funny uh, every Friday morning. I'd probably have twelve hundred people that go out to, but it's HR approved, obviously. You know, you can share the cartoon or the video or whatever with your grandma or your kids. Um, but it's just a way to connect people and I've gotten business out of sending out these cartoons where people are like, oh, I love these. Thank you. Can I get more? And we talk about laughter and how to work happy. And then during COVID, I didn't have the opportunity. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be stuck in this room for who knows how long. How am I going to make people laugh? And so I started doing a, a weekly stand-up comedy show on Zoom. They all were horrible, <laughs> right? Because it's not live. And and if, if I kept everybody's microphones off, I'd hear dinner being made or arguments happening, <laughs> you know, kids getting disciplined. But if you, if, so I would meet everybody and all I could see was their faces. You couldn't hear the laughter. So I thought, well, I need to do something else. And so I started a group on Facebook called the Humor Lab. It's PG-13, no politics. And I sent it out to 20 friends that night. I woke up the next morning. There was 152 people in the group. I'm like, well, I, I hit something here. And now there's 40,000 people from around the world that are putting their own sense of humor. And, you know, when I first started, I really had to monitor it because people were like off sides and R-rated and swearing and everything or politics. But now everybody has to, you know, go through the rules. But every day people are sharing their sense of humor. And there's some that I'm like, okay, I don't understand it. Doesn't make me laugh. But I get messages from people all the time saying, thank you so much. You know, I'm going through a hard time or a divorce or sickness. And I get home from work and I go to the humor lab and, and it makes me laugh. And it's, it's not about me. It's, it's collectively we're, we're making each other laugh. We're making ourselves laugh and, and putting ourselves in a better headspace. And it's just, it's that connectivity and what you guys do right with play and learning and teaching. It's I'm, I'm a hands-on learner as well, too. Um, my brother was, uh, he could read a book and get straight A's. I would have to go to lab and practice and go through it and, you know, get the solid C. But I, I think what you guys are doing and, and with Work Happy, how do we work together? How do we connect? There's going to be less loneliness and, and a lot less, you know, mental health problems that we've all been subject to the last three years. Let's wrap this conversation by leaning into the into Work Happy. Tell us a little bit about like what kind of people you're working with and what are some, some of the goals from, from Work Happy when you're working with organizations. Yeah, uh, basically work with with leaders and organizations who want to create a culture where people enjoy going to work, right? And when people are in a happier frame of mind, there's there's just so much good. I mean, we're more creative. We're 18% more productive. You know, if you're a salesperson, you're listening to this podcast, happy people, happy salespeople sell 37% more. And there's a, re a reduction in stress. There's a reduction in turnover. And so I, I work with people who want 
to create this. And some people don't, which is fine. I, I called up one company. I was talking to the HR director and I said, you know, how, how are things? Oh, they're, they're great. Everybody's working happy. I said, well, are you having any challenges around mental health? And she's like, no, we don't have any, we don't have any challenges with mental health. We don't have any issues. I said, oh, well, that's okay. You must be the unicorn. And she goes, well, yeah, nobody talks to me about mental health, so we don't have a problem. <laughs> right there. I'm just like, all right, okay. If I close my eyes, I can't see anything. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm blind. <laughs> you must not be. It's like the kid of like, I can't see you anymore. You must not be there. And here you are, not here. Yeah. But, you know, so we continue talking. She's like, well, this person took off sabbatical and this person had to, to switch to another job because of the stress. And, and I said, that's what it is, right? So what I teach and, and, and how I help people is not rocket science, Phil. But I've been able to create the Work Happy Mindset. It's a nine-step training or program on or what are the steps that we need to do. And it, it's anywhere, you know, starting out with self-care and communication and, and how do we avoid burnout and all these different kinds of things. And it's not hard to implement. There's not a huge cost to it. But when we are in the right frame of mind, I mean, life is better. And when work is better, whole life is better. And if we're happy at home, work is better. I, I talk to a lot of people all the time and, and some people are, I might not be their person or the message is wrong or whatever, but almost everybody I, I've talked to over the last three years is just like, wow, yeah, we need it. We're, we're stressed. We're burnt out. We're overworked. We're tired. We don't want to go to work, but there's a lot of things that we can do. One thing, one piece of advice I give people when I was working for the Vancouver Canucks, we had what we call Canuck days. So if you had to work a game, you know, you're at work at eight, eight to five. And if you had to work the game, you're there till nine or 10 at night. So if you work the game, you got a half day, we call it a conduct day, right? So if you worked however many games, you got two or three extra days of vacation or, or whatnot. And so I've shared with people, have a, have a me day, right? So five days a year, people can just call up and say, I've taken a me day. And that really helps. It builds trust because people are calling up and, oh, I, I'm, I'm feeling sick. I can't make it in, right? For whatever reason. But we need to take care of ourselves first. And if people have the, the advantage to have, say, five me days and not have to say for what, am I sick or I'm stressed or I, you know, I want to go skiing, right? If it snows 12 inches, the boss knows that a me day, the guy's going skiing, right? But the person doesn't have that guilt. It's just simple stuff like that. How do, we, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we put ourselves first? Because if I'm not in the right frame of mind, I'm not going to be able to put my clients first. I'm not going to be able to put my family first and help them. So it, it starts with us and, and happiness is an inside job. And, and how do we do that? And it's, it's, it's amazing that I have story after story after story of people just doing simple things to make their lives better. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. Great message to end this on. Greg, thank you again for joining us and talking about laughter and talking about uh, work happy. Thank you so much for having me, Phil. It's It's been a wonder and a pleasure, and I'm glad to be connected, and I, I know we're going to have more conversations on the road. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>